Welcome to I the Show, the podcast about anything and everything. I'm Brady. I'm Katie. And today we're talking about negativity. But before we get into that, we should probably tell you who we are. Who are we? Well, I don't know who you are, but I'm the artist formerly known as Brady, and I have the most important job in the world. I'm a stay-at-home dad of two kindergartners and a destructive infant, and part-time real estate investor. I grew up in the second largest city in Washington State, Spokane, where I went to college for audio engineering, and for 10 years I played in numerous metal bands as a guitar player until my first daughter was born. I wanted to escape the crime-ridden city life, so after meeting my wife of three years, who I have reason to believe is part mountain lion, I decided to move to beautiful North Idaho. My wife introduced me to the role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons, and through playing that, I met my co-host Katie and her husband, who I have reason to believe is part Sasquatch. And after numerous existential discussions that lasted for hours and hours, we decided we needed to include you guys in the conversations. Thus was born I the Show. Now I'm asking myself, who is this stranger sitting next to me? Ooh, strange being the operative word. <laughs> I'm Katie. I live on a small farm in North Idaho. Part of my week is spent as a part-time librarian. I grew up with bears in a logging camp in the Alaskan wilderness, and that experience it totally equipped me to deal with my husband, who I've been married to for the past 21 years. Let's see. I also have uh, two magnificent kids who are more competent, far more so, than I will ever be, but I also might be responsible for a bit of their competence as I homeschooled those two heathens for over a decade. When I'm not up to my armpits and various manures, I can often be found baking cakes or working on my blockchain-based blog. And after discovering through years of D&D lol sprouted conversations that Brady was an existential enthusiast like myself, we decided that we wanted to share all the stuff we talk about with you guys, and thus I the Show was born. And now that you guys have known us your whole lives, it's time for I Digress. Okay, so today we're going to talk about negativity, which I think is a perfect opener for our first show because our entire lives right now are saturated in constant negativity. Um, I have went through and looked in every facet of everything that comes at us, from our food to media to social media to government, and everywhere you look, there is just this huge bushel basket of negativity that is constantly assaulting us. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, one thing I do know is the world doesn't need any more negativity. So we're going to try to put a positive spin on it a little bit. But I think everybody should know a little bit about why we are so prone to basically diving into such negative things all the time. Well, and negative stimuli makes us actually get things done. It's programmed into our code, so to speak. I've been doing a lot of reading on it that we as humans tend to focus more on the negative as we try to make sense of the world. And I think with this age that we live in with constant information that we have so much to make sense of all the time that it's easy to get stuck in that negativity loop. I mean, that's kind of my thought on that. I don't know what you think. Yeah. Well, I do know the news just loves to bathe us in negativity. Mm -hmm. There's definitely reasons why, uh, you know, especially in today's age, the news, it's all about clicks. It's all about how many people can I get to click on my link? You know, they have to, they have to make their, yeah, they have to sensationalize. They have to make all of their headlines about negativity almost nowadays. It seems that's what they've learned that we like to engage in mostly. Well, and I saw that some of the studies I looked at that negative news is more likely to be perceived as truthful. So I think to get the clicks, they probably do want that clickbait title of man jumps off railroad bridge when actually he just jumped off the railroad bridge to become friends with Bob. It wasn't that he actually <laughs> cared about you know, hurting himself. It's just that news or media article wants you to just glom onto that. Do you think that they do that intentionally because they understand the psychological 
you know, how it works. Well, I'm sure that they've done a lot of market research and have realized, yes, that's probably what it is. Well, the problem with constant negativity is I think it, like, completely train wrecks your biochemicals. Like, I think on some level, if you're constantly immersed in negativity, that you're not going to be a very happy person. No, no, not at all. In fact, some of the most negative people that I know are the most miserable people that I know. But you brought up something Saturday that I thought ties into this. You know, you said if you eat bad food every day, you'll feel bad. Like, your body's not going to be functioning. And I sort of feel like negativity in any aspect is if you constantly feed yourself negative on any front, you're going to feel negative. Yeah. Basically, what I was trying to say on Saturday is you have a diet of food. Mm -hmm. You know, you choose your diet. But if you choose to fill your diet full of unhealthy foods or just garbage you know if you just eat cake and donuts all day you're gonna feel like crap and that's just all there is to it but i also think that maybe we need to focus a lot on our information diet i feel like it works the same way if you fill your information diet full of only negative things or just crappy things in general or if you just get on twitter and you're a keyboard warrior and you decide you want to be crappy to everybody else around you you're just gonna feel like garbage on that aspect too i mean it's just like food it's just like, well, and I think something that correlates with that is we're engineered, so to speak. I don't know if engineered is the right word, but we are predisposed to pay attention to the bad. Because in the old days, back when we had to live with fires and beat people with bones to survive in our cave, <laughs> life preservation came from paying attention to the bad. And so I don't know on some sort of evolutionary anthropological level that paying attention to the bad all the time because we're wired for it has some sort of like metastasized into this nasty disgusting way that we live now because because of politics and the way everything's divisive now you can't even be friends with somebody that doesn't share every single one of your views and i just wonder if that has sprouted because of excess negativity i don't know if that's the root cause but it's it's definitely intertwined for sure uh, i see so much divisive stuff nowadays mm -hmm. no matter where you look the news you know, social media, even something as simple as a, as a, like a recipe on a blog, it just seems to divide people. You know, why I don't is know that? what that is. I don't know if that is engineered by the powers that be, if you want to say that. I don't know. I don't want to go into conspiracy land here, but. I love conspiracies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just, it almost seems that way sometimes. I want to put on my tinfoil hat and and talk about that every once in a while, but I don't know if that's the case. But it does seem there definitely is an evolutionary reason that we are so prone to negativity. I don't think it has a place in today's society, unfortunately. There's just too many of us. Well, and how are we going to shift that? I think about that a lot um, as far as, okay, so we had to be this way to survive, but now survival is different. It feels like survival is almost about mental toughness now. Like how a fragility issue, so to speak, because a lot of our people, you know, there's so much more suicide. There's so much more people on antidepressants. There's all of these existential problems, really, that I feel like are have rose out of this negativity thing. Yeah, and that might just be a product of the modern times. I mean, we don't, I'm going to say we don't, I'm going to say most of us don't have to worry about getting our food sources mm -hmm. you know you can just go to the grocery store most of us have a job you can just go buy some food you know we don't have to worry about shelter because most of us have a home you know so just on a basic survival level there's not a lot of worries there we've got most of it covered so there's all this extra stuff going on mm -hmm. because of that you know um 
it's important, I think, that we address it as individuals, I think. Because uh, mental health is very important, I think. But what is mental health, you know? I mean, everybody seems to have some sort of mental health disorder, I want to say. Oh, Almost I totally like, agree. I think we just all fall on the spectrum in some way or the other. I don't think anyone's perfectly mentally healthy, and I don't even think that's possible. No, there's too many factors. Yeah, but, you know, I think everybody needs to work on it to a degree. You know, a lot of people do to a degree as well, just from the way you think when you're sitting alone. Well, what are some of the things you do when you're feeling down by negativity? I mean, like, that keep you mentally sound, so to speak. Because, yeah, you're right, all of us are messed up in some way or another. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I try my best to just think of things positively, you know? Even if it's the most negative thing in the world... I get sucked down this rabbit hole, mm. and I get, I just, you know, you, you get to feeling so down. What do you do? Well, you bask in it for a while, and I don't think it's intentional for most of us. But sometimes you just have to really rip yourself out of that and go, okay, how, how is this a good thing? Well, and you're talking about, like, I'm a natural optimist. I always tend to look at the good, and that's a large, in large part because of how I grew up, because I constantly was uprooted and ripped out of my situation every nine months. And so I had to look for the good because otherwise I would be just depressed and sad all the time. And maybe that sounds a little chemically imbalanced, but that's kind of what I do all the time now is it's like, okay, I'm feeling down. So what can I do to bring me back? And so I will go and I, I enjoy things such as hiking, long baths, hammock time. I know that sounds probably a little trite, but the self-care is a huge thing because you are constantly assaulted right now. If you don't make a conscientious effort to reel yourself back in and unplug from everything, then you are going to be in a never-ending cycle of, honestly, negativity. Yeah. You're going to be assaulted. Yeah. I like what you said about unplugging. Mm -hmm. I think that's important in the modern day. Um, we're always, it seems to be, connected whether it's watching TV or getting on the internet or even playing video games, whatever. It's just a constant connection there. And especially since it's filled with negative things all the time now, you know, you got to really get away from it sometimes. You know, social media especially, but not only that, the internet and stuff like that, it's very new. Mm -hmm. You know, it's only been in the last couple decades that we've had this around. There's not a lot of data on... How exactly that affects us, especially in the long term. We do have a lot of data on the short term effects of that. And that alone is not good, let me tell you right now. Mm -hmm. But as far as long term effects, we don't really have enough time and enough, I should say, enough time being studied on that with people. And uh, it could be very bad. Well, what's kind of concerning me about it, to be honest, is, you know, human augmentation is rapidly approaching. I know this is a little, I digress, but people are augmenting themselves <laughs> as like never before. And what I'm concerned about is, are you going to have a never ending feed? You know, are you even going to be able to unplug? That's coming faster than we think. And it's, you know, did you ever think that we would be walking around with a little block in our hand that we would constantly be on all the time? That has only been a decade of our lives, really. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I want to talk about that specifically. So <sighs> recently, uh, Elon Musk was on the Joe Rogan podcast. It was, the, it was an amazing episode. If you guys haven't heard it, you got to listen to it. But he was talking about how we're basically already cyborgs, mm -hmm. speaking of human augmentation. Of course, we don't have robotic parts in us. Some of us do if you have like a, 
the thing in your heart. Pacemaker. What's that? The pacemaker? Yeah. yeah. If you have a defibrillator, pacemaker, you, you kind of a cyborg already there. True. But I'm talking about your smartphone. Elon Musk was trying to prove the point that it's already an extension of your brain and your body totally. to have that. You have all of human knowledge that's ever been recorded. I should say probably mostly. Mm-hmm. I don't think all of it's on there, but... Most human knowledge that have ever been discovered and recorded is on the internet, and you can just access that pretty quickly with your phone. So you're kind of already a cyborg in that in that means. But the future is rapidly approaching of that, where it's probably going to get implanted in our brain. Another thing Elon Musk is working on is the Neuralink. Mm-hmm. Uh, for now, it seems to be more targeted towards medical issues. Like quadriplegia. Uh, another, yeah, exactly. Yeah quadriplegia and blindness he on another episode of joe rogan he was on recently he was talking about Neuralink in detail and he mentioned that you know in the next probably 10 years which he framed as a very long time for now but come on 10 years is a very short time it's nothing we're gonna have that readily available to implant in our brain a little microchip through a, a cheap surgery i can imagine uh but it's gonna be able to do stuff like if you're blind, it can basically replace those neurons and, and fix different broken connections, maybe. I'm, I wish I was an expert in this. I'm not. But just from what he was saying, you could be able to fix your blindness or your paraplegia or anything. Like, the sky's the limit as far as he was framing it. But after that, they're going to focus on basically whatever's in our smartphones going to be in our brains constantly running. So you had a point there. If it's just a constant feed of negativity... How's that really going to affect us? I mean, that's that can't be good. And I we, mean, a little bit goes a long way, but I, I think we know. do need a little bit. But, you know, if that thing's on all the time and it's just constantly giving you your Twitter feed just full of people ranting and raving and, and arguing about every little detail of life and you got the news coming in all the time and that's just filled with murder and mayhem. Yeah. Doom and gloom. No good stories. Yeah, and... Or it's a cat story. I mean, really, like, that really is going to be a more likely future than you would think. Well, and I'm worried, too, is it's even started now. People are not going outside their custom feeds. You see it in Facebook, um, like your wall, how it's streamed. The algorithm is tailored to what you buy, what you look at. So you're not getting challenged with any sort of opinions outside of your little realm. And I feel yeah. like that's a huge form of control. And it's also teaching you not to challenge yourself. And that's when negativity gets dangerous. Because if you are only ever immersed in your point of view, and then another point of view comes along, you, you see what happens. People react badly, especially if you only exist within one sort of group of people. And I feel like that's totally not conducive to learning. Learning is about being challenged by ideas that make you feel uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. And I think a large part of the human experience was we learned through discomfort. That's why we got all these advances in society is that, hey, I want to be able to have food more than just once a year. I want ice cream. I mean, I know that's why refrigerators exist. Yeah. You used to have to go cut ice out of the Great Lakes, wrap it in sawdust, and that's where you stored your cold stuff for the year. Think of how much work that is, and now we just chuck it in the LG. Yeah, I don't know about you. I don't really want to go cutting ice every winter. I don't either. And, and so... I guess I just, I want to know how we're going to progress. It's We're not keeping up with the development of technology. And I feel like there's a convergence between how we behave and how we are programmed to behave based on our biochemicals and then the huge, huge leap forward. And I think the negativity is showing what's happening. Yeah. So I, I want to elaborate a little bit on what you were saying. 
people definitely are stuck in echo chambers constantly. Yeah. I don't even think everybody intends to be stuck in their echo chamber, but I think that's naturally what we do. Of course we want to be surrounded by like or loved by similar ideas and similar interests. Oh yeah. And those algorithms definitely take advantage of that. I don't think it's intentional that those algorithms purposefully shove all this stuff at you just because that's what you like. I think we have caused that by what we click on and what we like. You know, I think our brains are wired to be addicted to that negativity. We like to engage in these arguments on the internet. We love to hear these murder and mayhem stories for some reason. I don't know exactly why. Um, Might have to look that up. Yeah, it's definitely worth researching a little bit into the actual neurochemistry side of that thing. But, like, let's say you get on Facebook and all you do on Facebook is argue with people on the news. Well, that algorithm's going to learn your habits. The algorithm doesn't necessarily want it to be just pure negativity all the time, but your habits are negative all the time. So it's going to just keep pushing you. It's almost like a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. It's, you're just going to keep going down that hill and it gets worse and worse, really, even. Um, so I think, I mean, really, I don't really want to be, like, Dr. Phil here or anything. No. But a little bit of advice would maybe be start engaging in more positive conversation on the internet. Start looking at more news articles that are positive. Start just being more positive on the internet. Your browsing history has a lot to do with these algorithms too. I mean, they these things reach deep, you guys. Like they'll go to every little facet of your of your computing history period. Like your browsing history, what you shop for, you know, what you talk about on the internet. It looks for buzzwords that you use when engaging in social media. You guys have complete control over that. Um, uh, a comedian, Ari Shafir, was he did a little bit of an experiment where he, for a week, just searched for puppies and kitties on the internet. And the algorithm learned that habit mm-hmm. and quickly started only giving him cute puppies and cute kitties on his feeds because it seems, or it, it realized that that's kind of what he more or less wanted to see. And, but that's just a good example of how you guys can train your algorithms on your computers or your smartphones to give you what you want to see. But do you really want to see negativity all the time? Well, and I think that's what the point you're trying to make is that you are, you are 100% in control of how your mental health is, really. Other than, you know, things that are beyond your control. I mean, the, the, from the negativity thing. It's like you can go on the net and you can be like, okay, I, have, I get my validation from how much I troll some guy on Reddit. Or... I can get my validation from, hey, I'm doing microtransactions. I'm feeding some goats in Afghanistan for some kid. There's this, there's stuff like that out there. And I guarantee in the long run, you'll be a more balanced, happy human being if you're not riding that wave. Because I feel like it, it reaches an apex and then you crash. And so then you've got to keep going above and beyond each time you do it, along with the algorithm. Which the, the whole point of its existence is to tailor-made things to you so that a company can make money. They're not nefarious. They're not out to get you. No. They just want to make money and that's not in and of itself i think a bad thing it's just that you have the power to control what goes into your brain and what your output is that's for sure yeah i strongly believe that's the case you know it's like you were saying it's not nefarious you guys no it's not corporations making money is not nefarious they actually they did this for us okay it's a very powerful tool that we can use for good things I believe. I do too. It might be a little too sensitive and only push a small margin of things at a time. 
again, he only did the puppies and kitties for a week. Exactly. And it was pushing puppies and kitties for him. You it's know, subjective. I, then. It, it could broaden its, you know, margins, I guess, and try to combine your positive and negative, I guess, habits. But I'm I'm really not an expert on these algorithms, and I think even the experts are confused as exactly how they want it to work. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly probably even out of their hands anymore. Well, it I... just works how it works. But I think we all need to do our part and try to and try to. To, to take advantage of this and, and make our lives more positive by putting in the effort and looking up more positive things or go into like a Twitter argument. Some of those get pretty heated. But mm-hmm. go in there and just start spreading negativity. See what happens. I've tried that before and actually it, it causes people to get more angry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I can't explain why. Uh, it's a really weird phenomenon. But it's fun to try. Try it because... If you are persistent enough, that does shift conversations, I'm, I'm telling you. And I think the biggest thing from my end of it is you have to unplug. It's so important. I don't care who you are. It's I love games, don't get me wrong, but there's something completely fundamentally different in, in the experience of growing something on a game and then going out and getting dirty. And you don't even have to have a farm for that. I, and it's not even growing. It's the idea of going out. You know, there's this idea that even existence is a simulation, but you can't smell and taste things yet in the simulations that we do digitally. And there are parts of your body that need to experience that. Go out barefoot. Okay, maybe not in some places, but somewhere very, you know, go to the beach. Walk up somewhere. I know it's hard to do during COVID, but even as simple as just standing in the sun for a few minutes, you're going to tap into something that reduces your negativity. I can guarantee it. Yeah. Most cities have parks to go to. I mean, they put yeah. a lot of time and effort into making these beautiful little areas, little common areas for us to go gather and just be around a little bit more nature than you're used to. Even New York City, one of the most sprawling metropolises in the entire world. They have a big park, don't they? What's they, it called? Yeah. I, I don't I know don't, what don't. the heck that is. I think it's, it's somewhere it's in, the in the center, center. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Central yeah. Park. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we totally didn't yeah. know that at all. Yeah, most metropolises have these little natural areas to go to to get away from it all. And there's a reason for that, you know. People need the connection with the earth a little bit. I don't really mean to sound hippy-dippy here, but I mean it's it's proven science. Well, and it's just because you're asking, I think a lot of it too, is you're asking yourself as a human to go too far in extremes too fast. We take a long time to learn things, as evidenced by the entirety of our history. <laughs> Look at the last century alone. Look how long it took us to figure stuff out. And I feel like right now we're advancing so far, so fast, that even the companies. You know, you see a lot of them now trying to do hate speech and control what people say on their platforms, which is never a good thing ever to control humans because you're going to get an equal and opposite response. And, oh yeah, you know, that's a whole nother episode. But the thing is, is they're trying to figure out what to do too because it's growing. It's almost metastasizing like cancer. It kind of is. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. (sighs) Yet some great things are happening too. I try to focus on the good, but it's so easy to get wrapped up in the negative. Plus, I think negative sells. Negative does sell. Yeah. Um, I guess I got, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah, you did. But negativity sells, you guys. I mean, look at the headlines. It's all clickbait. They want you to engage, and they've noticed the majority of us engage with negative things. It's not exactly their fault. They don't push it on purpose to make us negative. They push it because we engage in negative, just like I was talking about with the algorithm. This always the algorithm doesn't push negativity for the sake of it. It pushes negativity because that's what we engage in. So, I mean, specifically with the news, though, even before all click, before clickbait and 
these algorithms and stuff like that when it was just on television and in the newspapers and, and magazines. It There is a lot of murder and mayhem going on in the world. They do report on that. But we eat it up. We kept buying the newspapers. We kept watching the TV. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not their fault. It's our fault. <laughs> yeah. And... But that's just kind of how it boils down. I mean, there did definitely used to be a lot more positive news in the world, though. Well, it almost been it almost like they went every other news story was a good one. Yeah, because looking now, you can go to any news site and you have to scroll just forever to find anything mm-hmm. that's not record cases. This person killed this person. There's no yeah. like, hey, we went to Mars. I mean, there's because yeah. there that's the part that really upsets me. There's amazing, amazing things happening right now, like being able to edit mitochondrial DNA. That's a huge thing. A lot of people are affected by stuff that is caused by the power plants of our body, and it's just this little article buried somewhere instead Mm -hmm. of this huge news story that it is, or, you know, that we're launching stuff into space and that we can relaunch it instead of spending millions and trillions of dollars. We can spend less. That's huge. Granted, that is big news, and that did make headlines. But it's not the focus. But it was quickly buried. Yes. By stories of Trump did this, or stories of the protests did that, or yeah. coronavirus. It's researched. Or. Yeah, it's like. If we all did our part and focused more on those positive things, you know, it's like make change with your wallet. Yeah. That's really all we can do when it comes to, at least the news specifically. Is like we we have to buy more of the positive news, and that's the way it is. If more of us clicked on those positive things, that'd be better. I obviously I can't force everyone's hand to do that. Well, yeah, and we're not afraid of negativity. I'm not afraid. I'm not a Pollyanna. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> I have dealt with a lot of negative instances in my lifetime. A lot. Everybody deal, and I'm not alone. All of us have dealt with death, destruction, people ditching us, leaving us, pain. But something that, and people have always committed suicide and done things throughout history, but we're dealing, we're living in a new time where people are doing it because of social media, because of this perceived loneliness and isolation, I think is a large part of it. That's a whole nother topic too, but I, I feel like this constant onslaught of this negativity bias that we deal with, which is we're predisposed towards being negative is because it never seems to shut off because think about it, our teenagers Right now, they're probably Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Easy. And or TikTok. Or TikTok. Or, you know, because we're old, so they use realms that we don't use anymore. <laughs> but, you know, they've shared it with me because I work with kids. I'm a beef leader for 4-H, so I'm around a lot of teenagers, and yeah. a lot of them do not sleep. I, I have a couple beeflings that are always on. Always, while they're doing things, even their job, they're always also on their feed. And I feel like your brain does not get that recovery time. When you're constantly assaulted with it. Yeah, and I mean, I can attest to that too. I've had a problem all my life with just not being able to just shut my brain off and go to sleep right away. Yeah, me too. I don't want to use pharmaceuticals or any kind of chemical like to interfere with that though. Mm-hmm. I still prefer to just try my best to do it. You know, it's, it's getting a little easier with all these different podcasts out here because now there's podcasts tailored to just going to sleep it's just some guy talking real monotone like this and he's just rambling about nothing and it puts you to sleep i love that they found but, a need and made a product for it so there are ways and maybe teenagers don't know about it or not but when i was a teenager i had a really bad 
like trouble getting to sleep. Mm-hmm. I would just lay there for hours thinking and thinking and thinking. I don't know if that's just who I am. I know people who can just shut out like light. My sister, my twin sister was like that. She could just, bam, close her eyes and go to sleep. I've never been like that. My husband's that so, way. Um, and even now as an adult, and I think a lot of adults are suffering from sleep deprivation. Even if you are the type of adult that can just shut your brain off and go right to sleep, you're not getting enough sleep because you got to get up early and go to work and maybe you wanted to have just a little bit of leisure time before then. Especially yourself, And that little yeah. bit of leisure time turns into an hour less sleep, let's say. Mm-hmm. That one hour less sleep really makes or breaks your next day sometimes. And some people don't even realize that half their problem is sleep deprivation. Well, we can do a whole episode on sleep because there's also <laughs> a lot should. There's a lot to do with sleep and longevity and anti-aging. And then we are exposed yeah. to more blue light spectrum than any other humans so far. That's in history. And it is causing oh, yeah. issues. So, yeah. And that... <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to sound negative, but no, that's, that's okay. it's not a negative thing, though. It's just something that we can address. It's just... I think a lot of it's education. Yeah. Most people don't know. And like you said, most people are working so hard. You want... If you have infants, which you do, mm-hmm. and I've had infants before... Between them going to sleep and like maybe 11, like this 9 to 11 time, it's that sacred little quiet time you get to yourself a day. Oh, it's glorious. It's the most wonderful time because you get to kind of recharge and be yourself a little bit. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, you know, even though you get that time, you're going to be up at like 5 maybe some nights or 2 because Junior's teething. I mean, I've been there. (laughs) It's just normal. And so, yeah, sleep is a big deal and maybe sleep deprivation has something to do with this. I think there's just so many factors with the negativity and that's my goal is to... Maybe even with this podcast is, you know, talk about these things and then find ways to deal with it and maybe hear other people's opinion because I'm not an expert. I'm definitely not an expert I'm either. like you. I'll wake up in the middle of the night when I was young. My brain never shut off. It's getting better because I'm old now. Well, no, it still doesn't shut off. But I'm constantly, <laughs> I'm constantly thinking about things and I think that's how you get the change that you want in life is you keep thinking and you find solutions. It's not just, I, I get so tired. I'm related to a lot of people that complain all the time yeah and i hate complaining i get everybody complains i complain too oh. but but i hate complaining i want to do things i want to actually do physical things that help exactly and real quick on the topic of oh, complaining sorry. okay oh boy i just have to i have to step in here and talk about this because i've had a lot of different jobs in my life i've worked mm-hmm. many different jobs uh you know i worked at like a fast food restaurant i've done landscaping i've worked at a, a, a mill that makes animal feed and and just a bunch of different other ones too. That's not the point. The point is, every single one of those jobs, it's you, you start talking to your coworkers during the job, and it's almost like everybody just complains all the time about all the job. All the time. And especially like if you become friends with those coworkers outside of the job, you find yourself when you're hanging out with them. Let's say you go out to the bar, or if you're a little younger, you guys go bowling or whatever people do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things people do, but you, you go out with your coworkers, or even just go to their house and you're watching like the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. It always turns into this like it's bad big pool it? of negativity about yes. your job. That's all you do is complain about it. Um, it might be a good thing because sometimes you just need to get it out. Yes, you know, catharsis. Pe- people practice this all the time. I think a lot of us don't like our jobs. And that's kind of just how it is. You know, you have to do it to make money. You know, that's just the world we live in nowadays. But a lot of us don't really enjoy our jobs, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we practice this weird thing of, like, making yourself think about the job differently, I guess, to get through the day. Okay. You, everybody does something, I'm sure, just to get through the day. You tell yourself something or another. Think about your podcast. 
yeah, think about your podcast. <laughs> some of us get have the some of us have the blessing of being able to listen to podcasts during work, and I hope some of you listeners are doing this. That's cool, yeah. Because you have to escape sometimes. You do. And I think some of that is you have to release the pressure by complaining about it with your coworkers, mm-hmm. and release the pressure. But sometimes you have to tell yourself like, okay, I'm doing this for a reason, or maybe you do enjoy little bits and pieces of your job, but there's always something to complain about. But it's that practice of, you know, whatever you tell yourself to get through it. Like you can apply that to other facets of life too. Do you think goal setting has something to do with it? Because I've noticed most people, they do tend to complain about their work because I've worked a lot of jobs too, feed store and at the, I worked at the unemployment office and help veterans (laughs) get jobs. And so the amount of negativity there was just insane. And it's like, no, you know, we're not working here because we don't want to help people. It's just we're short-staffed. A lot of jobs suffer from short-staffed. Mm-hmm. Too much workload. Too Especially sh- nowadays. Yeah, and so I guess with the negativity part of that, there's a fine line between purging irritation, which I think all humans need to do because it makes you feel better, and then you are refusing to grow. Yeah. I think refusing to grow is a big problem when we live in an affluent, com- comfortable society. Is It's really easy to sit around and complain and all my life's not good, and then actually get out of your comfort zone and put in the work. I hate using the word comfort zone. I think it's overused, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's uncomfortable at times, like today even, when we started doing this, there's things that we are not comfortable with, and you get this, oh, I'm going to be an idiot, or I'm going to look stupid, or yeah. I shouldn't even bother because no one's going to listen to this or do this anyways. And it's like, that is not how change is made. Change is like, I'm willing to look like an idiot. I'm willing to look dumb. And I'm willing to do this crappy job because it's going to get me to the next step, which is, I think, goal setting is a huge thing. And I don't think it's taught to people. Right. I think it's what's taught the majority in our country, you have this keeping up with the Joneses thing. And if you don't have all of these things, then you're somehow not successful. And I know people are trying to defeat that mentality, especially our generation. But I think that that gives people a sense of hopelessness. It's like, do I have to have all these payments to have my, you know, UTV and to go out in the country every weekend and, or do, you know, I have to have this suburban house and it's like that. You don't have to do right. any of that or you don't have to live in the inner city. You got out. My husband got out. You can get on a bus and go anywhere in America. Yeah. There's no limits. And I think that is where some of that negativity sprouts is. I think some of it's self-hatred. Self-hatred. Yeah, possibly. I feel like people, you know, cause think about the people that complain the most. They usually have the crappiest life and make the worst financial decisions. That's true. But some of those people like really trap themselves in that though instead of actually putting an effort to change it same people will yeah. go out to eat every day instead of making lunch at home though yeah and i i, I don't judge them for it because if you've not no. been taught no. things i tend not to judge people anyways but it really makes me sad when you see a coworker or someone that's so miserable and it's like dude go apply for fafsa take an extra job and for six months and save up some money and get the hell out of here i mean mm-hmm. you can do these things Easily in our country. More easily than anywhere else, I think, for the most part. Yes, God bless America. Yeah, America. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've been trapped in that pitfall before, too, though. Have you? Uh, when I was a younger adult, I just I couldn't find my place in life. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was stuck in these crappy jobs. Yeah. Did it, it feel so, it, I got really depressed, and, and yeah, it felt very hopeless for a while. Mm. But there were these people that would give me advice, like you were saying, like, why don't you go to school and do this, or why don't you do that or this or whatever. But I was so far down this, like, ravine of self-hatred because I couldn't motivate myself to change. And again, it's another one of those things where there's a snowball effect. When you get so down at the bottom about things, 
and you just stop listening to this good advice coming in. Or even worse, you will come up with more negative excuses to counter those. And for whatever reason, your brain thinks that's a good idea. So you think Here's why I'm not going to go to college. Oh, it's too expensive to go to college. Even with FAFSA, I'm never going to... I don't have time in the day. i got to pay my bills so I won't be able to work. But it's like, you completely forget it's possible. You really just have to... You really just have to sit down and do it. So do you think I positivity mean, will offset that? Or do you think once you get so far down the spiral that it's going to take something major to shake you out of it? Because, Or do you think just time helps and maturity? Like I, I think it's a combination of the three. Really? From my experience, what gets me out of those things is... It's not even a lot of the times something I do myself. Okay. What got me out of stuff like that was like... Let's say possibly hit rock bottom. Okay. Okay. And then there really needs to be a change. Well, to do that, you do have to start thinking more positive True. and having more confidence, self-confidence, very important. And then you really just have to do it. Like, it's cliche. No, but it makes total sense. You have to have action to have change. But you really have to just no, do it. Cliche I too. mean, what do you got to lose once you're at rock bottom? Well, no. And, and do you want to just lay there and die? Or do you want to Yeah, just... exactly. It's like, well, you don't and, really want to do that. And I, my husband is like kind of a... What's the word I'm looking for? My inspiration on this one because he got blown up in the Gulf War and he was, they cut on him so many times that the VA actually paralyzed him the last time they did his surgery. They cut out all, his nerves fell out on the table and he had to learn to walk again while he was in a wheelchair. The man who was a complete combat warrior, Hawaiian, awesome man, <laughs> had to go to college. He went to college while he was in a wheelchair. This, you know, here's this big warrior guy and then reduced to a paraplegic. Mm-hmm. And he learned to walk again, which is kind of a huge thing when you can't feel your left leg. And he did all of this stuff, and then he gets through all his training, and they're like, well, no, you can't do this now. You have to either take your pension and be on that, you know, because you're broken, or you can work. It was just this whole horrible thing, but yet the man, he said something to me one time. He's like, you can either be in pain and sit and do nothing, or you can be in pain and move. And I think that applies to mental pain. I think that we all suffer a degree of mental pain. I think what happens to us, how we're raised as children and those patterns that are instilled into us are huge and they can train wreck us all the time. But you can either be in pain and not move or you can be in pain and get something done. And I think learning how to do that, and honestly, it's who you surround yourself with too. I think that sometimes finding, if you're around negative people all the time, you can still love them, but they they bring you down. I was they terrible. They really do bring you down. I have a huge problem of being around negative people and being there for them so they can be a sounding board I spent a decade of my life really doing that. And you know what it did is wasted time because they mm-hmm. don't want to be out of it. I still care about them, but it's almost like you need to pick that moment to be there when that person's ready to move. Right. Well, you can't lead a horse. or What's the saying about? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. Sorry, I just had a Joe Biden moment there. Oh, oh, Uncle Joe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can't force people to be happy if they don't want to be happy. And I think or maybe they to... maybe they want to be happy, but they're stuck in that ravine. They are, and you should be there for them. Yeah, but yeah. You everybody can't... needs a hand up, but they also have to be the one to pull themselves up on that hand. And you can't be down there with them. You're not doing yourself any favor if you stay in the mud. You know, it's it's because yeah. I think all of this negativity thing goes back to that we're all a little bit mentally ill. Some of us, it, there's just a spectrum, and I think some of us, and then I also think our diet. And the amount of chemicals that we're exposed to, it's so much more mm-hmm. than ever in history. And I feel like that, you know, because think how many people you know that live on caffeinated energy drinks. Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. I, you can't tell me I that. I used to just, I used to drink them. like a bang or a, or a rock star every day. And see, I. As I used, well as coffee. I used to have a sugar addiction. Really bad. <laughs> and, oh, and you're not alone there. I mean, 
I'm thinking about if we got into the numbers, (laughs) I'm not a health expert, but I can pull up results from health experts and it's just scary. Insane. How many people are addicted to sugar? It's almost every one of us. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. It took me a year to break it. It's so easy to get addicted to sugar and it's so pleasing to eat that candy bar. It's so pleasing to drink that soda. Oh yeah. You want that frappuccino? (laughs) It doesn't matter that it has a 75 grams of sugar or whatever it is. And see, most people don't realize, what is it? Like four grams to a teaspoon? They're not visualizing the volume yeah. and then they're like if i just go this diet i'll be thin i'm like no. <laughs> <laughs> well have you ever seen that picture where it's like um it's like the size comparison of grams of sugar oh good god stuff? Yeah. oh my gosh it's scary it's terrifying where they actually pour the the sugar out as like like a soda if a soda has like however many grams of sugar and they pour, pour that gram- that. yeah they pour those out on the table and you can see the sugar well, and I, That's very motivating for me not to drink soda. I don't drink a lot of soda because of that. You know, once in a while, everything in moderation is fine. You can have a soda. You can have a Snickers bar. But exactly. if you have a soda and a Snickers bar every day at noon... You got a problem. That's probably bad. I had to have chocolate at every single meal yeah. when I was, was in the worst of my addiction. And I did not realize the volume of sugar I was consuming until then. And I know that it plays a huge role because the amount of glucose is flowing. And that's not even counting starches. That's just the sugar. Just sugar. Because I see so many chronic health problems, and I wonder if some of the negativity that's arousing from that, or coming out of that, is also for... I, I feel like there's so many factors. Yeah. And how do you fight them? Do you come up with a comprehensive plan, and then you start a cult? I mean, what, what do <laughs> you do? I think that's worked for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, really. Like, yeah. The cult of optimism? I, I think one of the big issues here is everybody's different. Everybody's different. Ooh, the but there are factors that do affect us all. Yeah, and that we all have to eat. One of those for sure is your diet. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the other one for sure is how much sleep you get. We all have to sleep. Yes. Um, those are the two ones I know for sure that affect you. Uh, I can't say everybody's affected by like the hydrocarbons in the air from everybody driving their car around. Well, some are more Could sensitive Could be a factor. I don't know. Yeah. You know? There definitely has to be other factors that affect everybody equally. But I know two of the most important ones are diet and the amount you sleep. And I'm pretty sure even exercise. Exercise is huge for well-being. Uh huh. I feel a lot better after I exercise. Usually, me and the family we go to the pool once a week. There you go. And all of us feel just amazing after we're done swimming. The uh, my daughters, sometimes they get real bratty and cooped up in the house, but we take them to the pool for an hour and swim. They get all that energy out, and they just feel better. They get more oxygen to their brain. Is probably part of it. Mm hmm. And they're just little angels for at least a few days. Oh, we sound like John Tesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I totally agree because NC people don't realize it is not a ton of exercise either. 150 minutes a week. That's mm-hmm. that's 30 minutes, five days a week. I do it in two days because I also, I'm a very physical person. I'm constant. In fact, every day I've been cutting lavender, but I do kickboxing for an hour on Mondays and I mm-hmm. lift weights for an hour on Thursdays. And you know what? I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot. And then I hike randomly, but... Yeah. You don't have to be bodybuilders. No. And you don't, you don't, I mean, come on. I, mean, I am not a bodybuilder. You could be just like an average build person. Get out there and take a walk. Walking is walk the a best. couple blocks around. Like walk a co- around a couple blocks. You know. It literally takes take a different route minutes. every day because seeing new things is great. Humans are wild for wired for novelty. That's another topic we can talk about another day. Oh yeah. But oh, I'm just the fact that you're novelty. out and you're seeing different things than the four walls you trap yourself in in the house is good for you. But the walk alone. Get that blood flowing. Oh, you know? sorry. Push that cholesterol through those veins. Dopamine. <laughs> Love dopamine. Yeah. Uh, being out, again, we were talking about earlier with the nature. Be outside and just little things like walking. 
It's so important. Or stand, well, even just standing there. And this diet of exercise, food, these are the things you can control. You can't mm -hmm. control the bad things that happen on this earth. No. But you can control how you perceive them. And if you are at your best as far as trying to sleep as much as you can, putting good things in your body, and moving your body around, you know, getting your heart rate up, it's got to get up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you that negativity is not going to affect you. And hey, the 30 minutes that you take to walk is 30 minutes you're not plugged into your feed. That's true. Because that's a big deal. Um, the sleep issue, uh, that's hard to address. A lot of people can't cram more sleep I into know. their day. I always tell myself, like, I sure wish there was at least... I, I figured out the problem isn't that there's not enough hours in the day. There's, there's not. not enough days in the week. There's only 1,440 minutes, and I've been waiting for Elon Musk to make me a clone. Because if I had a clone that could do all my chores, <laughs> then I could probably be do... the man to do it. I, I know. Well, because I do. I have a lot of chores, too, and I, I agree with you. I mm -hmm. Now that my kids are teenagers, I get a lot more sleep. It's a different type of facilitating when your kids are teenagers yeah, than it true. is when you're, you have infants. And so I do get a lot more sleep than I used to. I think a lot of it is, is also it's a misnomer that you need eight hours. You need a minimum of six so that you can get in the deep cycle of sleep. It's how mm -hmm. you sleep. And there are apps. I was just doing a whole big reading. Dave Asprey, the guy that came up with Bulletproof Coffee, the dude that's like a huge researcher on longevity. Yeah. And he has a whole chapter in his new book that I'm reading about sleep. And it's not even how much you get. It is how you sleep. And you can get download apps. You know, you're talking about the, what is the thing that goes on your head that the brainwave thing. Um, the Neuralink? Yeah, Neuralink. And you can do EEG things and you can oh, see, yeah, yeah. you can record your sleep. Because if you're sleeping eight hours and you're snoring during that, you're not getting good sleep. You've got to train yourself to sleep differently. And that can be done and that can be done in less time. Yeah, and thanks to technology, that we definitely have a lot more tools than uh, the previous generations had. Oh, totally. We don't yeah. need to go Even to the Even the doctor. previous generations now have those tools. <laughs> this is true they don't know how to use them and they yeah, come to the library and ask me what a username is but i don't want to go down the <laughs> rabbit hole of like generational differences but we should talk about that they, sometime they though. they I have the tools we have everybody has these tools now i've personally used one of those sleep apps before have you? it is definitely helpful but it's like one of those things it's definitely quantity or quality over quantity it totally is you have to get good sleep i'm sorry you've got it's, to it's a necessity exercise diet and sleep and very important for your mental health and the better your mental health is the more easy it is to really just like take those punches that you can't control yeah you're less fragile fragility yeah. is a huge problem and because that is a whole nother rabbit hole too talking about you know parenting is hard anybody that's been a parent everybody criticizes mm -hmm. you but it is super hard but there is a huge problem with not equipping our children to handle negativity or any roadblocks in life and so what happens is when they're faced with somebody who doesn't like them and they've had a parent that has negated everything that they need to learn to deal with, you get very big ugliness, as evidenced by what's going on in the world right now. Yeah. The fit throwing. <laughs> I don't like fit throwing. And I get mad about stuff too, but there's a huge problem just, with fit throwing. I just thought about the, uh, the South Park... Um... The PC babies. PC babies. That's what made me think of the PC babies. That's funny. They get mad about everything. <laughs> Is this going to make the PC babies cry? <laughs> well, and it's a huge problem. And I hate generational angst. I think one of the greatest travesties in America today and I don't know about the rest of the world, but it's put, pitting the boomers against the millennials, against the Generation X, against the oh. Zoomers. <laughs> it's like, that does nothing. You need someone from each generation. You guys, I, some of the most spry people I know, one lady I know, she's 75. That lady goes hard, man. Oh, yeah. But then I know 20-year-olds that are really ill because they don't go outside. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And they're sick, more yeah. sick than the 75. So it's like generational angst is stupid. I think we need to end it. Yeah, that's true. I mean... <sighs> It's just like anything that divides us into groups. 
It's horrible. Yeah, those things that divide us are just like the borders that you see on a map mm-hmm. that divide the continents or the states. They're arbitrary you, you, always, lines. you can always draw more borders on a map. The farther you zoom in on that yeah. map, the cities, the congressional districts, or you know the water, the water district that they go off in the water department. My point is, is that zoom out all the way and look at the planet from space. You know, There's no go lines. On, go online, look at an international space station feed. There's no borders. No. We're all on this rock. It's it's just a big wet rock floating through the infinite space. And you're talking around about... this big ball of freaking plasma gas that's superheated. I know. We're all in this together. <laughs> we are really all in this together. It doesn't matter. Like even with even with race differences, it's like okay, some people get more sun. Uh, well, okay, their skin reacts in a way that they get people... more pigmentation to deal with that. There's really no difference between us, you guys. I mean, come on. And quit getting your validation through tribalism. Yeah, Try this tribalism thing. We need to leave tribalism in the past when we were tribes. We're not tribes anymore, you guys. No, we all. It's a global. It's we're all. It's a globe now. I mean, come on. We're not. And you're so missing out if you don't hang out with people or just even go experience people who are not the same as you. I yeah. love to travel because I come across stuff all the time, and you know it's hard right now to travel with COVID. I get it. We're not. We're going through a big existential change as a society, as a globe, and I get it. But just even traveling to a neighboring state, sometimes you'll learn, you know, their new ways. And there's nuances there if you know where to look for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, the United States, one of the wonderful things about the United States is, yes, we're all Americans. There's a lot of things that we share culturally, but each state has these little things that are different. Huge regional differences. Yeah, like if you look at where we are in Idaho... It is like apples and oranges to how people are down in, like, Louisiana. Well, I think sometimes people, even people from the East Coast, cannot conceive of the difference, the vastness between everything in the West. Mm-hmm. We, You know, we do live in the West, and there's such huge expanses of space between everything. And that's hard for people. I have friends that are European, and it just blows their mind how far I have to drive to things. <laughs> Most of them don't even own yeah. a car. No, I feel yeah. it. Yeah. Or they, you know, I'll go to Banff, and Banff, Canada is an amazing place because people from all over the world converge in the wilderness, and people are just in awe, and I'm like, oh, this is my backyard. Yeah. You know, there's differences between all of us. I've had the best of both worlds because yeah. I grew up in Spokane. It's, you know, it's a pretty big city. Um, I got to experience city life, and it's, oh man, it's rough. Uh, yeah, I don't miss it now that I live here in the wilderness, where I, even though I'm in a very small city of about 700 people now, it's I can go out as soon as I walk on my porch, I look in any direction, and it's just miles and miles of forest. And you know what's hilarious? Not a lot of people have that luxury, though. They don't. Like, even in Spokane, you drive five miles in any direction in it's, Spokane, it's you're in jungle. the wilderness. Yeah, well, there's a, You drive 10 miles in any direction from Spokane, you're at a lake. True. It's a very beautiful spot. We're, we're blessed where we live. Yeah, but not everybody has that luxury to be in the wilderness like that. Like, again, I was talking about New York. It's a very sprawling metropolis. And even with Central Park, it's just surrounded by concrete. It's called They call it the concrete jungle. And we just, to play on our talk about how people are different just regionally, that you consider this the wilderness, this cracks me up. Because I literally lived where you had to fly over a glacier <laughs> the size of Rhode Island in a plane that had skis on it. <laughs> So to the, to me, this is urban. Like yeah. I'm within three miles of a grocery store. Granted, it's through a bunch of trees, yeah. but to me, this is beyond being close to humans. I, I'm mm. used to being around animals that have never seen people before. You know, I could for fun. I used to blow up icebergs with shotguns. So there's this this disconnect. That, see, I would never 
understand or be able to empathize with someone like Brady about growing up in the city because I've never done it. Whereas, you know, the wilderness, it's like, oh, I know what wilderness is like. I grew up in it. And there's yeah. all of these things that you live in and experience in those locations that you will not learn about unless you talk to each other. And you can't do that if you hate each other because you don't share exactly the same viewpoint on every single aspect of your being. Yeah. And I hate that is the biggest yeah. thing I hate about negativity of all time. We, we need to start sharing in each other's ideas, I think. That's, and experiences. These echo chambers are really holding us down. And it's fueled by those algorithms on social media. It is. And it's fueled by our natural, like... Like, we, we have to naturally fall into those echo chambers for most of us. I, I personally don't because I find it gross... Uh, you, yeah. I think we need other opinions to come in. It's just like the scientific method, you know? Mm -hmm. You can prove your point all day long, but I think you need other people to come in and argue it to really learn anything. And people don't hate you just because they challenge an idea you have. That's yeah. the fragility thing. It's like, please challenge me. I, I want to know what I'm doing wrong because mm -hmm. I want, ultimately, at the end of the day, I just want to learn things, Brady. That's all I want to learn. I've been that way since I was a kid. I would yes, read the cereal too. box. I'd read the back of the ketchup bottle. I want to read all the time and I want to learn and I want to absorb. And I think somewhere along the way it, we've transitioned to a lot of people just want to be instantly gratified and entertained all the time. And that's okay sometimes when you need to check out. Mm -hmm. But if you're not engaging other parts of your brain in actual learning sometimes, like oh, you yeah. listen to podcasts all the time, I feel like the, it's easier to fall into that that negativity, negativity trap. Yeah. And I think this is actually a good, uh, good way to wrap up this episode is uh, challenge yourself to engage in ideas or conversations that challenge your beliefs. I think that's important for everybody to do. It's a good first step to battling the negativity pool that we all swim in. From exactly. Time to time. And get some freaking sleep. Yes, get lots and lots of sleep and look into eating a salad every once in a while. Ooh. Yep. And one hour baths are never a bad thing. Yes, one hour baths are <laughs> definitely a good thing. But uh, let's all just try to be positive, guys. In the world of negativity, I think that's what we need right now. Yeah. It's yin and yang, you know? And not in a Pollyanna thing. We get that life is rough. Mm -hmm. We totally do. It's just that if you're if you're swimming in that pool the majority of your day, take yourself out of it for a bit. Yep. Yeah. You can you can't have uh I mean you can't have darkness without light. I think that's pretty much the most eloquent way we're gonna say it because yeah. Alright. Okay. Thank you for listening, everybody. At the end of every show, I'd like to end on a positive news story. And today's story is how one man convinced 200 Ku Klux Klan members to give up their robes. This is a story from NPR, and it's from August 20th, 2017. It's easy to find on the internet. You just look up the title, and when we get our site, I'll link it in. It says, Daryl Davis is a blues musician, but he also has what one might call an interesting hobby. For the past 30 years, Davis, a black man, has spent time befriending members of the Ku Klux Klan. He says once the friendships blossom, the Klansmen realize that their hate may be misguided. Since Davis started talking with these members, he says 200 Klansmen have given up their robes. When that happens, Davis collects the robes and keeps them in his home as a reminder of the dent he has made in racism by simply sitting down and having dinner with people. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you check out our next week's episode where we talk about cryptozoology and why everybody's obsessed with it. And make sure to subscribe to our channel if you like our content and smash that like button.